0: set up. So we've got audio going. Okay. So here we are. Uh, another fantastic Wednesday. Uh, this, is, this is exciting for me because this is where we get to launch something new uh, as a marketer. That's kind of a fun thing to do. But this is the new launch to our uh, Wednesday Who's Who series for, uh, for the veterinarian side, which is all things veterinarian. I have a great, awesome guest on, on, on the other side here on the, on the screen here. Dr. Ingrid uh, Pika, is it Pika or Pika? I'm sorry. Pika,
1: like peekaboo.
0: Peekaboo. Okay. So Dr. Ingrid Pika has joined me. I Thank you so much for joining us, I'm Dr. Ingrid.
1: Now I'm honored to be here, Oscar. This is fabulous. So just knowing what you do and connecting the real world with the veterinarian, it's always great to be a part of that, supporting whatever efforts there are.
0: So I'm going to preface this, this, uh, this whole conversation as, as, uh, giving you some platform to, to speak about you. Uh, you are a business consultant, a speaker and trainer. I'm looking at your your profile here in uh, in LinkedIn uh, at IBP Consulting, which is the integrative business process. Um, and so you do business consulting for uh, veterinarians. I want you to talk a little bit about that. You were actually once a veterinarian yourself in the Colorado-Wyoming area. Another interesting note is that you're also a children's book publisher. That's also really interesting. We'll have to talk more about that. So tell me what you do. What, what is it that you do, and how do you help veterinarians?
1: Oh, there's so much to start from. <laughs> is so much. You know, as you already said, there are, there are many components to my life and how I work with my clients. And it's more of a situation of, it is an ability to adjust to what the needs are of, in this instance, the veterinary practice. I mean, Oscar, you know, you work with them as well. And so you know that sometimes it's a matter of of, of the team working and collaborating together. Other Mm -hmm. times, Source of how do they meet the client's needs? How do they become more efficient in caring for the higher level of patient care? So there are many different niches in where veterinary where practices can gain from learning, and I always call it communication collaboration to provide value. It's there is what is the mission and the vision of the practice or any organization, and how are they going to get there in a five-star customer service? and employee experience.
0: Yeah, we're gonna jump back and forth between what are your challenges in your business, but also what are the veterinary challenges. Um, so when you're working with veterinarians, what are the things that you're trying to solve for them? What, what What's exactly, what do you find is that you're trying to uncover uh, to help them in their processes or in their clinics?
1: Well, a lot of times, and, and as a veterinarian, I experience that, I get that. We're so entrenched in, Here's a patient. The patient is actually is limping his paw or it's got a really sore uh, ear or there's a client that's coming back over and over because it's just itching and itching and the aggravation is going up. We're behind on our schedule and we see all these, these patients lined up. We still have a laceration to repair. There's the spaded to pre-med. And, and when we're inside that big ball of yarn, it's really hard to go step back and take that perspective. So when I'm working with with the practice, the first thing that we do is establish what are the key challenges that are happening? And most of the time it does break down to a communication and the systems that are in place Mm -hmm. so that it's easy to communicate, well, this is the next step, or it's, it's a smooth rendition of, let's at least inform the owner, it's gonna be an hour's wait before we can see them and being prepared. So just getting that perspective.
0: Are you, uh, so what are the the things that you're trying to help veterinarians do is just improve efficiencies uh, in terms of a practice?
1: Um, Yes, and it ultimately does come down to the systems that are in place. Yeah, yeah. if, If the systems aren't smooth, and then the training of everyone to be on that same system, how many times have you walked into, an office, and you ask them, for example, what is your plea and tick prevention protocol? And you get, let's say, at least more than one answer, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The training hasn't been in place. so Everyone is on the same page. And that creates a mixed message to the client, right? It's, it's very difficult. So, for example, when I go in, I still practice medicine. And then when I go in as a relief doctor, it gives me that... You know, you, you, you got to understand what you're doing, right? Otherwise it gets really like, well, what are they talking about? So you've worked in the practice, you've been the management, you get it. Um, when I walk in, I have to be that, that continuum of what the practice already holds. And most practices have that pretty well, those things. We've got the reps that support us and train all of that. Uh, it's, it's the congruity. Is everyone on the same page? Are those systems in place? Because then it becomes really efficient. Everyone knows what role are they supposed to play? What comes next versus, well, where did this go? What happened to that? What do I do next? How do I use this unit? I don't understand how to, to <laughs> spin the blood down with the centrifuge being broken.
0: So, you know, you would think that, you know, I mean, a lot of people have been, you know, I'm sure you talk to, to veterinary practices that are, they have been uh, doing this for a while. So you would think that they have some, mechanism down if they've got this process down especially if they're running a clinic because it sounds like you're also focused in in a couple of different areas obviously running a a, an effective clinic one that's you know positive in in roi has has a good business flow but the other part of it is just the efficiencies of like you're saying system processes internally whether people know what their protocols are Um, and then i think there's another layer of complexity where you have you know new emerging Veterinary clinics, uh, possibly new practice styles versus old practice styles, ones that have been out in the field for, for quite a while and have, if you want to say, quote-unquote, kind of good habits, bad habits uh, formed. Um, and this takes it away a little bit from my end because I uh, I understand that, you know, veterinary clinics, I'm just like a more or less a customer. You know, I have a couple of dogs, so I, I get to come in from the perspective where I my interest is like, well, I wanna understand how um, veterinary clinics attract um, their their business, keep their business, engage their their patients uh, in in the line of work. So um, do you feel like the challenges are in various levels based on new practice and old practice?
1: Wow, you brought up so many points
0: there, Oscar. I know, I did, and I'm going to jump around a bit, but what, I will start with that. Uh, new practice, no practice, is that, is that a potential good, good analogy?
1: Um, yes and no. Especially in today's industry for veterinarians, um, veterinarian was the top utmost respected profession in the world for a long period of time. As we have grown towards the demands of today, everyone expects, when my pet comes in, I want the full x-ray done, I want complete blood work, I want a specialist access right away in 24-hour facilities, I want the blood work. Now, as those demands have come to match human medicine, what's still catching up is the ability of, of we've got the financial component. So that is still lagging, and also when we look at the, uh, the the staff itself, we're comparing, and we're so a client, a pet owner, is demanding the same level of medical care as if you were to go to any human hospital. Yet the equality of, and I'm touching on a very sensitive subject here, uh, you know, um, is the equality of compensation for veterinary staff there's a big gap in there,
0: sure
1: we go to the old way of practicing it 's about the pet it 's about the client it 's about that relationship that will never change, and that cannot change oftentimes we've seen horrible stories of that uh, of when we do work with transition management too, when there's a new ownership and and the experiences that have happened there where it suddenly becomes all business, we've got to make sure we get the bottom line. And this is not just corporate, this is also for for privately owned practices. There tends to be that feeling, justified or not, that the emphasis is on the bottom dollar versus what about the animal, what about the pet? Well, there is a place for both. Mm -hmm. And once that's established, it's always that preventive measure, right? As long as we're prepared then we we have a better feel for how do we approach that? What do we do for the owner that doesn't have the financial resources? Well, we have some alternative resources, whether you have some medications that are near aspiration, or whether you have partnerships with local community facilities that can assist in certain manners, or you create a fund. So you already have that backup. Being prepared is huge. Now let's talk about the social viewpoint of marketing that is where the most dramatic change occurs obviously we've got the medical care but the dramatic change in marketing is is markedly of a different picture nowadays as you very very well know all the social media how do you do that how do you capture how do you stay within the legal boundaries how do you incorporate that in the fast-paced environment of let's say an emergency clinic or when something comes in I was uh, working in one practice, and what they do after every single patient that wakes up from a procedure, they have these little cloud sayings, and they, with a dry erase marker, can write on there, hi, mom, I'm doing okay, surgery was all right, I'm relaxing, glad I'll be home soon, and they take a picture of it and text it to the owner. Yeah, that's great. Talk about engagement, but what does that fall back on? The relationships caring about the animal so there's a good mesh between the old and new and and just to add one more thing yeah you're constantly evolving if we stay where we are now you're not going to keep up with the future
0: mm-hmm. I, I totally agree i mean it's is this is an industry where it can be disrupted because of these you know yeah you're you're just kind of in silos almost sometimes and you're yeah you need to break out of that uh and i agree and i like i like the fact that you I brought up a couple of things in terms of marketing scope because there is a retention aspect to this where you want to keep your patients engaged and, and keep them satisfied and happy. And, and so extra things like texting and, and all these other cool technology tools that are out there. Some of them good, some of them bad. Cause I've, I've talked to different, uh, you know, veterinarians. It's just they, they, they get very scared because some of them actually kind of open up liabilities and, uh, also on on documenting, you know, which I feel uh, is 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 somewhere we need to break up. I've, I've asked them before, how can we create more content that is educative? But fine line for some of these veterinarians is like, well, I don't want to say too much. It's going to put me in a in a scope where it's a liability for me, and and I know there's a, a pattern and a way to to say there is there is some content we can give to patients uh, or to the pet owners themselves that help educate them. I just look at it in my perspective. When I have these animals and I've got a question, I'm, I'm going to the internet. I mean, I, I, I wish I could have my, another portal I could ask a veterinarian straight up. They don't have the time. You know, that's, that's awesome. That's the biggest, I know that's the biggest challenge with all of it is it's just their, their burden of time. So where do I go? I go to YouTube, you know, and I'll find some type of content out there. But I, uh, my hope is to create these virtual learning centers for you know, essentially the clinics and, and if not the, the hospitals that can be a portal where, where I can go and get my answers um, to questions that I have.
1: Right, we, we build our relationships on three things and you may have already heard this. The know, like, and trust factors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As a practice, one of the key factors in marketing is to going back to one of those three. It's be known, go out and visit really, go into the community, visit that. And now on the marketing side of that, what we have online, there are so many opportunities. And I love how you're talking about the, the educational component and letting a practice build their educational credibility forum online. So not just the local community knows, but way beyond and it builds up who they are. It's, totally. like, it's a chance where they can showcase their team members and their patients the success stories. And sometimes there are some not so success stories, but there's still a lesson to be learned from that. And as you build that relationship, even with the client, they oftentimes when they understand, they're excited to be a part of that. And they want to help prevent this from happening again. Oh yes, I do want people to know there are coyotes outside or boy, if you leave antifreeze, the wrong kind in your garage and your kitty gets outside, that's bad news. We didn't know what chocolate or not to give aspirin or Tylenol. So for a client to be a part of that, and I've experienced it, they want to, it's a part of their catharsis and it, it lends credibility, not just to the situation, but also to the practice.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> you're right. I mean, I think there's just so, what's really hard is um, messaging and communication of this type of content has to be very uh, targeted so you have to kind of know, you know, you're not just dealing with dog owners; you're dealing with cat owners, or certain breeds. You know, certain breeds are also specific in terms of, you know, food sensitivities or <laughs> um, weight issues or any of these things. So, yeah, there's so different. There's so many different ways to create the content spectrum for the, uh, you know, for, for the educated piece of this um, for for patients. But um, there's also internal. I mean, so there's also another way to create content for. And I think this lends into your practice. Like, how can we create? Maybe we need, uh, you know, more visual, creative ways to show processes and and protocols. Um, Do what's the pushback that you get from veterinarians? Where where are they? Where are they pushing back? What's the biggest challenge with all of this?
1: I think the biggest thing, and we do that pushback everywhere in every industry, and even in ourselves. Time, right? Time. We don't have time for this. Well, the reality is you have time not to do it? Can you afford not to be more efficient? Yeah. Yes, you warrant closing the hospital for one day or even just an hour every day for a week or even just two hours a month to build these uh, trainings in, and create the systems. And that's where it's, it's very beneficial to have the external forces like you and I and, and people that help totally. with, the component and with their business perspective and, and training in HR to come in with a fresh eye. That way they can look and say, did you notice that something as simple as you have one trash can over on the far side of the room, yet you're working on three aspects. Why do you have just one trash can? It may seem like the dumbest problem, but it's a huge problem. Think of all the times you're running back and forth, the the traffic flow and all such. And it's amazing walking into, again, walking into many hospitals and working within it I, I experience it and I'm just looking and scratching my head. Why would they not do this? Why don't they have a little jar with closed uh gauze and alcohol in each? And this may sound like a no-brainer, but in some places it's not. Now they may have a reason. But the one of the worst reasons is because that's how we've always done it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I mean and you have you probably spoken in more veteran areas than I have, but um who is helping the veterinarian? Let's say there are, because we're all different uh, in terms of just who we are as, as our, you know, as our makeup, but some are more creative than others. Some have the abilities to think outside the box. Others are very focused on their practice and their way they want to do something. And they're, you know, they're they're very rigid. So those types probably need more help to open up and expand, or maybe just kind of be that supportive who in the practice section and that they're in the clinic is there to help them. Who is it? Is it techs? Is it, uh, you know, practice managers? Uh, who is that?
1: It's actually a comprehensive effort and it has to be a comprehensive. That's why I, one of my three values is collaboration
0: it has yeah. to be
1: collaborative effort.
0: Right. And
1: this is where it gets very teetering and very tough walking the plank. Are you on board? And anytime that there's a, a larger shift or impression come in, the team has to get together and establish, where are we now? And I call that the stop phase. So this is, where are we now? What are our assets? What do we want to do? And then we step back, to me, that's phase two. Stop is one, step back is, is phase two, and overview, where are you even planning on going? And that's establishing, what is the mission statement? Where is the vision? who is going to be on board with this and isolating the different nuances and the strengths and the talents of the various individuals um, in the whole whole, uh, combining. Because why would you put someone that is excellent with people and hide them in the back and you put the person who hates people in the front? (laughs) It's role reversal. So, establishing these nuances as who is there. And there may be some people that are not on board, and that's when it gets tough.
0: This right. is
1: something to be on board with because it's far more expensive and damaging to keep people on board that are just going to be disruptive.
0: That's right. No, that's a good point. So, what, let's go, let's step back here, let's step away from another part of the topic here. What, what got you into veterinarian medicine? Why you <laughs> practice, and why did you start practicing?
1: <laughs> well, that's actually a funny story. So when I was little, um, I had I grew up with Jane Goodall and the gorillas, or, and oh, how wonderful that was out in the wild, and that's what I wanted to do, and talk to the animals, until I realized I don't know if I could handle all the bugs and creepy crawlies and solitary confinement that's out there. I was like, mm, maybe not so much, but I kind of felt at the time, I don't like people so I'm gonna be a veterinarian. <laughs> Luckily, fortunately, during my path towards veterinary school, I had already recognized, actually, I do like people. And when I got into veterinary school, I was already going in with the intention that I, I did like the, the building business component of that, and let's see where that goes. Hmm. So under veterinary school, had additional training in, in management. Had my own house call practice, uh, which was also a great opportunity in learning how to engage with media and be on TV. Um, learning, getting up really early in the morning and having a real close fit is probably not the best in <laughs> training, but lessons learned. Um, and then as I shifted towards the administrative side, it was, it was because of one, are you okay if I share a story?
0: Oh, absolutely no! This is what, this is all
1: what it's about. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, and, and many of the listeners can probably relate to this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had uh, I was a, uh, I was a medical director and then moved up into hospital director in a nonprofit hospital, the largest, Colorado's largest nonprofit hospital. the um, the The focus there was to assist those pet owners that needed additional finances through grants and donations to offset the cost. So over and over, I would go into the exam rooms. I would see a little dog with a broken nail. I'd see a kitty with an ear infection, um, itchy skin. And I'd look at the records, and I'd see that they were outdated in their vaccines. And often these were puppies that had not received their full course of vaccines yet. So I would have the conversation with the owner, explain the importance of maintaining the vaccine uh, current status. And of course, the next question is, Yeah, that's really important. How much is it, doc? And I explained to them what the cost would be. And and with the respect of funds and offsetting that, the the final investment is actually X number. Yes, please, vaccinate Fifi. I'm on board. When do I come back? So I had these over and over. And I went to my front staff and I asked them, help me understand this. We're all here. We have the same information on our monitors for this pet. We know they're out-of-date or vaccines. We all understand that it's the policy that every pet has an education at least of the vaccine status. Why is it that I'm the first one to have this conversation in the room? Hmm. You know what, the, what this particular staff member told me?
0: What to say?
1: They can't afford it. Oh. So suddenly, we've got professionals that are already prejudging and making the decision for someone who has the opportunity to make a change in that pet's life or death. And I realized at that point that I needed to be able to access more than just the pets that I'm touching. So when I'm looking at a dog and a kitty, I'm I'm educating the owner and I'm providing them with their options. That's one pet that I'm touching. When I'm able to Train and I make get everyone on the same page that they're relaying that same information to all the staff, to all the doctors on the team. How many more animals did I impact that way? And that's when my main shift happened, where I realized that whether and this goes beyond being in a veterinary hospital or practice, it's to a pizza place, making sure people have the best and the fastest delivery and the best possible profits for the hospital, for the pizza maker, right? I've worked with plate designers. I've worked with um, authors. It, it's about making the experience the best possible way so that everybody's on the same page and providing that five-star customer experience.
0: Sure. That's a, that's a great point. Uh, you know, um, I think, I think veterinarians just, they, they have such a big heart. Um, yeah. I mean, at some point my wife was also, she, she's a, she wanted to be a veterinarian as well. That was, And I think it, you know, people with big hearts get into this field um, and then they find that they have to make callous decisions or, and that, that's a, that goes against their personality and they're, and they're, they're thinking, I actually have a niece that wants to go into veterinarian and they're all great. It's all great focus for the animal and, and, and relationship with people, but it is, there are times where you have these conundrums, these points of, of, that they don't make sense, right? In the, in the industry. So talk to me something about, I mean, where, where would you feel looking back? Would you have changed anything in your course of, of a profession as a veterinarian? Was there something that you would have done in, different now looking back?
1: We could always look that. One of the lessons that I learned very early on is, is that regardless of path, which path we choose, we never can look back on which we take the other because this is the path that we're on. And even if we were back on that fork in the road again, with the information that we have, we would make the same decision again. Sure. If we want to end up where the other road would have taken us, we can still build a bridge to there. That's easy to do, right? It's Like, okay, I'm here now, so now how do I get there? Now we've just encountered another fork in the road that can provide a detour. And it's up to us to keep working at that, whether we have uh, the challenges that we can over- overcome or whether we realize, you know what? That's a little too painful. I'm not gonna push myself. I'm happy where I'm at here. You take that fork and it's okay. So going back, would I have done anything differently? I have to say no. I, I Experiences that I have gained by being a veterinarian, by understanding it, the uh, experiences i gained as I've moved up in the management world and, and, and gained more training and education there it just bolsters who I am and I love it this is the best this is the best part of my life and I wouldn't change anything
0: perfect and and you're also you know just to throw in here t- talk a little bit about your your children's book publishing this is got this takes you in a different in a different conversation but I'd like to hear about it
1: absolutely yes yeah. so my mother was one of those extreme creatives where she had when we were little we would have this little Um, time for bed and my mother would say okay once upon a time uh, there was a and we would get to fill in the gap and say whatever once upon a time there is a lamp a garbage can and she would create the story well when i left school uh left for college i uh i grew up in southern california we left for college and i went to colorado i was the last of the kids my mom was now going into empty nester so i kind of surprised her and one day and i said hey mom Congratulations! I just scheduled a counselor's uh, meeting with you at the local community college for your creative writing class. <laughs> so, so, she did take the creative writing classes, and in it, one of the assignments was to write a children's book. So she did. I think much to the to the uh, amazement of the teacher, the professor, not only did she write it in prose, she also illustrated the whole thing and created these two little characters, Mish and Tish. And it was, it was a hit with the family. Well, several years later, she actually wrote another story with the same characters. And then she wrote another. As my kids uh, were born and grew up, they, grew, they learned these characters and these stories. And then they would, once again, go back to that, that uh, old Siri, Once Upon a Time There Was A. And then they would give her kind of a topic, and she would create the story with these two characters. And she had a total of 10 of these books. So as she was getting older and my father was getting older, I realized it was it was time. It was time to get these out there. My kids took these books to, to the schools and their classroom in elementary school and the, and the, the students, the other kid, classroom, the boys and girls, they'd skip recess. And suddenly they'd be like, when you're done with that book, can I borrow it? And it was a shift. And I realized there's something about these books. So- yeah. Realizing I wouldn't have time to go through the traditional publishing route of the query letters, rejection after rejection, or finally yes, and then they do all these edits. I was like, you know what? How do I do this myself again? Starting to use the stop, step back, and grow on my own. And um, so that's when I started getting into the publishing industry and learning how to approach that, and um, published the the first of them for my mom so
0: that's awesome okay cool all right that's a, uh so you you are more or less the publisher for your mom's book that's cool
1: in that case yeah and it got it and it, it won multiple awards and uh, book contests so we're really excited about that it had a lot of exposure um, it was very very cool local media covered it as well that's great um, mm-hmm. And then it, it certainly allowed another avenue again why why stay localized just in a veterinary practice Why stay with what you've got? Always expose yourself to something new. So when I published my book, um, Stop, Step Back and Grow, the three strategies to long-term and repeatable success, it was an easy shoe in. I knew how the process worked. I already had developed relationships with the individuals to to help me. And that's one of the big things, take home messages that we also I'd like to stress. We can't do it all. There are people like you that can do this marketing stuff much better. And so a, a business owner that has the opportunity to step outside of their, I've got to cover all of this, has a huge opportunity to learn who can I engage and the best fit for my business, for your business, to, to get you to the next level. Because we can't do it all. We find someone else that can do it better, faster, and oftentimes less expensively that if we take ourselves out of the role of what we do best. Yeah. Sure. Right.
0: Yeah. I imagine the biggest uh, roadblock for you know, most veterinarians is just not knowing enough, uh, especially with digital marketing, because it's so, uh, you know, it's changed a lot. Um, but traditional versus, you know, digital media or marketing um, is definitely causing a lot of friction. But one of the things that I think to clarify is that, you know, for marketing purposes, in case veterinarians want to know, and you might agree, since, since you talked a lot of them, is that um, the the attention for price in both areas are very different. Uh, obviously, you can get a, a lot cheaper attention with digital media, um, digital marketing. So trying to understand the, how to navigate that and put that all together, they, you're right. I mean, they, A, they don't have any time, barely enough to manage their practices at all. That's the intricacies, but do they know what impact they're going to get? Because another thing you want to know as a business owner is what's my ROI going to be? Is this worth the investment? And so, to differentiate, you know, in terms of our our outreach to to veterinarians, we're trying to get them to understand the intricacies the intricacies between branding and marketing, because content does that, and it's a in a very it's in a very different way than when you would do in a traditional setting. So. Uh, you know, digital digital type of education is is both a branding and a marketing concept that can that can um, be measurable um, and and give some type of feedback to the owner about well, is is am I positioning myself as a as a practitioner to be the best um, to be the best asset for my for my clients or for my patients? Am I making myself available in a way that they can connect with me? past these walls and past this open and close sign on my door, right? So yeah, I hope that that's, I hope that that part's valuable for for veterinarians because we really wanna make sure that the traffic of of just being in this white space that not a lot of veterinarians have stepped into yet. I see some that are trying, and I can imagine that the biggest, like you said, the biggest challenge is just time and probably time and resources. but, but with it, I think it just opens a conversation. I think we need more conversations around trying to understand what are what 's good messaging for a clinic um, what what's a good practice for that and then you know do they have good processes behind um, trying to establish when they have patients there that they're getting the best care uh, and then the efficiencies of, of running a clinic and that's your area that's where that value of having someone like you. Um, provide you know more it 's just i don 't know if you've seen the show um the profit on uh, cnbc it 's a gentleman who, who does exactly what you do it 's people process and, and product and um, he shows business, just small businesses he shows them how to be more efficient and and he comes in and saves them and helps them and and I hope that that 's probably a, a, paints the right scenario for you because you're you 're coming in and you 're you're, you're, you're showing these things, you know, you're trying to, that's an amazing way to, to bring value to a clinic and to and a hospital and, and, and care centers is to, yeah, to make these things more visible to, because when you set up, it's like probably a lot like when you set up your house and you come in and you decorate and you think you have a nice looking house and then a professional walks in and says, well, uh, it's not feng shui, uh, it's, it's uh, here's some things, you, uh, yeah, you need somebody else's perspective. And I think you're, you're kind of doing that in yourself, right, when you go into these clinics. Yeah.
1: And the one thing to keep in mind, too, is that we have, everyone learns in a different way. Some people like to experience it themselves, that they're the ones doing it. Some people like to see things, sometimes are better at hearing. And any changes or any suggestions or even any promotionals have to address each one of those. You, you made a good point about um, about how to, how to, to reach the different how much can everybody do, right? Um, so a lot of times when you kind of, when I work with a client, we do the translational budgetary. So mm. if it costs you, costs you this much to create a, a marketing campaign or an educational tool where you're reaching out to people, there are the measurable costs, right? And then there's the measurable return. How much would it, one client that you gain through this come back to you. And if you look at that one client and, this, and then looking at the follow through and make sure that everything's working well and you maintain that client, within the lifetime of that, you've likely far surpassed the cost of that marketing. And that's when it turns into an investment. So when they see that, that number, and I'll show them that, and we actually create the image, the, and we need to make sure that everyone is, is happy, right? We want a happy staff. So I've been able to keep staff into a team simply by recognizing what their strengths are and allocating those strengths. What would the cost be of losing that particular staff member and having to find someone else, train them, and then get them onboarded, and then we lose them again? So that collaboration is key paramount of finding the strengths and and accessing the strengths. There's a great book, it's called the Finders where you can really need to use that. And there are many other programs and there are a lot of communication programs where you can learn how to communicate with each other. And so we go through all of that, but, but it really is about what is the, the, the outlay versus what you will likely get back in your, your revenues. As That's the measurable and the immeasurable of having a great staff. When a client walks in, when the, when the team members walk in, they know what they're doing. They're happy. They're excited to see each other. They, they go to, to, to after excursions, after work together. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you, you, you hit on it. Also, you made a good point about learners uh, being both visual. You know, that's, that's same thing when we try to create content. It's like, you know, not just a written article is, is the best way. I mean, sometimes people need the video and sometimes people need to, you know, po- you know like an audio, like a podcast. Uh, essentially what, what I do here, like our, our, you know, discussion here on a, on a video format is going to change into an audio and we'll probably write up an article and that's how breaking up all of that for, for these, um, for these cleanses is important. And, um, and you, you also hit another good point, uh, you know, the lifetime value of customers through these education outreach programs, um, we can also kind of target areas that I believe with veterinarians might be more important to highlight, like, you know, higher ticket items in their clinics that need more attention. Um, And, and for that, you know, we need your, your expertise on understanding what those kind of items would be like, what would be something that would be more, um, you know, more interesting to promote as a high ticket item or service in a clinic?
1: So for example, we look at the life stages of the pets, right? They come in as the youngsters. So let's talk about maybe, I don't know what else this practice offers. Do they offer um, training sessions? So let's get them in into the training because you can't do that online, right? Uh, and that's about the relationship. They have to like and connect with that trainer. We mm-hmm. have a lot of competition out there right now. As a veterinarian, there's, there's one on every street corner. I, I always find it when there's a dry cleaner, there's a veterinary hospital next to it, basically. <laughs> Uh, and now you also have the different component of the, the number of corporations I'm not saying good or bad but it's a different dynamic and it really impacts every practice whether it is a corporate practice or a non or privately owned practice or even a multi branch branched um, and and uh boy i just lost where we were going with it <laughs> oh
0: no yeah no, no definitely just no just definitely talking about how uh, how to help the, uh, you know, the, the small, kind of putting all together the components of, of content and whether or not that's the high-ticket item, you know. That yeah. High t- high yeah. Ticket
1: item. So, yeah, so the life stages, <laughs> thank you, uh, the life stages, and then we look into a senior pet, well, let's do a, 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 a preventive or prophylactic ultrasound, abdominal ultrasound, include that in the package. Yeah. The value is based not only on what is given, but it's based on what is perceived,
0: sure.
1: totally what is perceived. If I give you two plates, one has a hamburger, the other has a hamburger. One has a price tag of $5, the other has a price tag of $20. Oscar, I'm gonna give you one of these as a gift, no charge to you, which one would you pick? (laughs)
0: Probably the $20 one.
1: Guess what, they're the same hamburger.
0: Yeah, exactly, right?
1: (laughs) Use the perception. And in any time we have a service-oriented business, that service is what the value is able to uphold even more. An ultrasound mm-hmm. can cost $50 here, it can cost $300 or $1,000 there. It's what comes with that. Mm-hmm. You message that, that builds into the higher ticket, I- value, a higher ticket item, because the client knows that it's a value. And I'm not talking about just fluff. I'm talking about creating real value that no one else can. In this high level of competitive market, whether it's a veterinary practice, whether it's a specialty practice, or emergency practice, whether you also include exotics and do the little guys or you do mixed animal practice, it's about setting yourself apart from the rest of the competition. How do you, how do you make it that people are drawn to you and, and want to come back over and over and they wouldn't, they wouldn't care what else is out there if there's a five dollar hamburger, they don't want it because they know the value of your twenty dollar.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's and you, you you do that through content. I mean, I can I can't think of another way that that you can that you can accomplish that unless you're unless you're like physically out in the community and that and even that is almost impossible to scale. So uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I think it's a great perspective uh, in terms of what you're saying. That
1: and it, it is. Can- from the videos that you're talking about and and, and breaking it into video uh, articles and and any other handouts even or such of the audio it's huge because it meets all of those demands and and then they can bring that into the practice they can have it as a link on a text that they send to the clients i mean how much easier can you make it yeah. <laughs> for all these opportunities to reach out to the client it's not marketing it's educating it is giving them what they actually are wanting so they can provide the best care for their family pet.
0: So how do you reach out now, uh, as we wind down here, how do you reach out to veterinarians yourself? What's your target goal to, I mean, how do you get to people and how do you get people to know about you?
1: Well, certainly uh, the veterinary community is a very large, small community. <laughs> so, okay. and We talked about online and digital media, LinkedIn is beautiful, association mm-hmm. is great, the relationships that I've developed with the hospitals in the area, through all the work that I've done with the nonprofit and, and other organizations through corporate trainings, etc., um, have been a great resource for that. and And I call it the million dollar hello. Simply by talking to people and getting to know them, have been a phenomenal way of reaching out and them remembering who I am, I know who they are, I can connect them to other resources. They got marketing that they need help with and the education component. Boy, I know this guy, Oscar, he's awesome, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, And and so that network really develops. And uh, obviously through my website, I myself am rebranding at the moment, so I've got a lot of cool stuff that's happening. Uh, I have webinars coming on, the Million Dollar Hello is one of the webinars coming up. my website, ingrithpika.com. And as we develop at the ibpconsulting.com as well.
0: Excellent. Now, and I'm going to make sure that's that all your contact info is there in the show notes. So people can go to your website, uh, get to know a little bit more about you. I mean, the webinars are awesome. And I think that's, you know, if you can make more, you know, make that more uh, available um, for people to learn more, that's, that's one of the best ways to do it. So I commend you on that. That's, Does take work, it does take organization, uh, but you know, uh, it's it's in the in the long run. um, I think people need to know more about this. That's, I mean, I I want to kind of wrap up. Is there some some final thoughts that you have on in terms of where we are in the veterinary industry right now? Do you foresee some new things happening?
1: Oh, yeah, um, there are a lot of new things happening as the corporate uh, world is expanding. And is it something uh, that we have to adjust to that as the, um, the staffing compensation is shifting that model? How do the prices adjust? How do we compensate for the, that efficiency component of can we afford another uh, employee versus raising the prices to the client? So there is a, there's a huge industry shift in that. And as we work through that, we incorporate again, how do we provide more value and make sure that everybody's is, is working and enjoying their job. As Confucius said thousands of years ago, right? If you love what you do, you're not going to work another day in your life. In your life. So that's true. That's to say with the cup, you really you know, if you see the half full cup or half empty cup. My take on it is who cares? Just savor what you got anytime.
0: That's awesome. Dr. Ingram Pika, thank you so much for coming on to this channel. And this is one of our, and, and I'll introduce you as one of our first new speakers on all things veterinarians. So, uh, and I invite everyone who is watching or has had a chance to watch a part of this or all of this segment uh, to come on the show, because this is basically content for the veterinarians, content for the veterinary professional. Um, and I think it's just, we want to create this channel to be just something where Uh, You know, veterinarians can talk about the profession and and we can open up about new things, challenges, open up how we can make the best change for the industry uh, all together. So thank you again, Dr. Shapiro. We'll uh, make sure that we provide contact information for people who want to get a hold of you. And as always, uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Shapiro.